Good morning and welcome to New Covenant Church. I'd like to personally invite everyone in the lobby to come in and join us this morning. Uh, service will be, begin shortly. There's lots of room down front, so just feel free to keep, just walk to the sound of my voice. Just keep coming, keep coming. Very good, this way. Thank you all. Good morning. I would like, I have a few announcements before we get started. Uh, the Minister Alliance of Lampasas has joined together uh, to have a back-to-school supply drive outside in the lobby on a table, out to the right as you walk out this morning. Go back there and grab a piece of paper that has a school supply list on it. Uh, please uh, purchase the items on that list, put them in a bag, and bring them back. Put them on the table for us. Uh, that's for families here in Lampasas who need a little help getting school supplies for their kids there's also a volunteer opportunity. If you would like to participate in the back-to-school rally, it's going to be at the Methodist Church. They're hosting this year. So as an individual or as a life group, if you would like to uh, participate in that, there's lots of volunteer activities for you to participate in there. Uh, women's breakfast is this Saturday morning. Doors open at 8.30 over on the east side in the fellowship hall. So ladies, grab a friend, a neighbor, a daughter. Come join in fellowship and have breakfast together. And lastly, July 15th, Saturday evening, 7.30 p.m. at Hannah Springs Pool is a free family event for New Covenant Church. Food, fun, fellowship, free. I don't know what else you need to get you to come, but it's going to be a good time, so come join us there. Stand up with me as we get ready to enter praise and worship. You can praise and worship with us in singing this morning, tithes and offering outside in the boxes in the lobby. We have the Lord's Supper on both sides of the auditorium underneath the rock pillars. Anytime during a service, please avail yourselves of that. Father God, this morning we come thanking you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, we know that you're on the throne this morning. You're the reason we're here. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit to move amongst us, to communicate to us, to let us know who you are. Show us who we are in you. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beginning. God, we know you have so much more. 
We're looking to a new horizon We're praying for your rain to fall An overflowing of true redemption An overflowing of your kingdom Cause we're ready for a real
fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Jesus is talking with his disciples 
And he says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. For he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and bring God's righteousness and the coming judgment. When the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak what he hears from me and declare it to you. We ask for you to pour your spirit out. Because we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Your holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. No thing can compare 
Father, you are holy, are set apart other than, different than anything we know or could even comprehend. You are holy, and where you are is holy. Father, we thank you that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can come into that presence boldly Father we give you all honor and glory and praise for you and you alone are worthy in the name of Jesus Christ we pray amen amen well you may be seated we are so glad that you are with us this morning this morning we are continuing a series that we have been on. The series is titled The Mind of Christ. And in the first message, we looked at how Scripture makes it clear that the mind and thoughts of the body of Christ are the mind and thoughts of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verse 18 says that He, 
speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 16, we read, for, though, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Last Sunday, we looked at glimpses into the thoughts of God that are found in Scripture. The Bible also makes it clear that the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, are one and in total unity. So the thoughts of God the Father are the thoughts of Jesus Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit who declares and reveals those very thoughts to us. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 10 through 12 makes that clear. It says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And in John 16, 13, Jesus Christ himself said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. God the Father made a way through God the Son, Jesus Christ, to restore our relationship with him. And then sent God, the Holy Spirit, to speak and declare his thoughts to the body of Christ. We can absolutely count on this because it's promised by Jesus Christ himself. This morning, our focus is going to be on proactively guarding our thoughts. But before we look at how we can guard them, I want us to take a look at why we need to guard them. Proverbs chapter 4.23 says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it flow the springs of life. Above all that we guard, as a priority above all other priorities, we are encouraged to guard our heart. Now you might be saying, well, this scripture says to guard our heart above all things, not... uh, our mind, or our thoughts. But this passage isn't talking about our physical beating heart. The word that's translated here as heart is translated in other scriptures and passages as mind and understanding. The definition includes our inner man, our mind, our will, our heart, and our understanding. So it's definitely referring to our thoughts, our inner self, that is constantly speaking to us. We are to guard it above all that we guard because out of it flows the wellspring of life. Well, what do we guard from? One of the things that we need to guard from is garbage. Proverbs 15, 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. This would be a good verse for us to memorize. In Psalm 119, verse 11, David said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
If we stored this word from Proverbs in our heart and in our thoughts and in our mind and we reflected on it regularly, we would catch ourselves and not let so much trash in. Literally garbage. It comes into our hearts and our minds through our phones, through social media, through movies, through music, through conversations. And we could go on and on and on. Do you realize that we wouldn't have so much trash to get out of our minds if we didn't let so much in? Psalm 101.3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. How much better off would we be if we practiced this every day of our lives? I will not set anything before my eyes that is worthless. I will not listen to anything or let anything come into my ears that is worthless. It's so simple, yet so profound. We watch and listen to things that we would never do or say. And we think that they don't have any effect on us, but they do. We think that we can allow anything into our mind and we're going to be just fine. But we're kidding ourselves. Everything that we allow in our minds, whether through our ears or our eyes or both, has an effect on us. For the good or for the bad. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Other versions say that just because something is allowed doesn't mean that it's good for me. We shouldn't be looking for what we can get away with. We need to seek God and the best that He has intended for us. God tells us through His Word that we are to fill our thoughts and minds with good things. If we want to be healthy spiritually, we need to set our thoughts and our minds on Jesus Christ. His thoughts, His ways, not the garbage of the world. So now we need, we know that we need to guard our thoughts from garbage, but, and we're about to look at how we can do that most effectively, but I want us to consider one more thing before we do that. And that is the fact that we are not guarding our thoughts and minds from garbage in a neutral environment. We have an enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that he is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And his only purpose and his only aim is to steal, kill, and destroy. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We went deeper into this passage last week and we covered uh, taking literally every thought to the feet of Jesus Christ to be in obedience to Him. What I want us to see this morning is that while we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Our weapons in this war are not physical, but spiritual. And they are mighty weapons in the Spirit. Powerful, 
enough to destroy strongholds. They're more than capable, more than enough. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 also makes this clear. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are strong in His strength and His might, not our own. And we aren't fighting the people around us. We are fighting against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places that are working behind the things that we can actually see. They are influencing the thoughts and minds and hearts of those around us. And they are actually influencing our own thoughts and our own minds. That's why we talked about last week that we have to be vigilant. And we just read this morning, guarding our hearts, our thoughts, our minds above all else and taking every thought captive to the feet of Jesus Christ. So how do we proactively guard our minds and our thoughts and our hearts? Philippians 4 verses 6 through 9 gives us a very clear strategy. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Focus on these things. Set your thoughts and minds on these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice. Practice these things and God, the God of peace, will be with you. The two strategies that we find in this passage are conversational prayer and focusing on Him, not the things around us. Why would I say conversational prayer and not just prayer? It's because the Apostle Paul said that we need to take everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to God. We read something similar in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Have you ever said these words? I know I have multiple times in my life. I wish I just knew the will of God. I wish I knew the will of God for my life. What does God have for me? What does He want me to do? Here's your answer. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Be in constant conversation with me. This word is God speaking. He's saying, don't stop talking to me ever. Give thanks to me in all things. For this is my will for you in Christ Jesus. In His power, through His blood. 
That's the will of God for us. That's the will of God for the body of Christ. Notice that both of these passages also included thanksgiving and rejoicing. So we pray, we talk to God constantly, and we always include thanksgiving and rejoicing. Brandon said it last week during worship that it's impossible for us to be down or depressed if we're bringing thanksgiving to God. This constant conversational prayer with God also goes right along with what we looked at last week and touched on this morning. To take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, how is that possible? It's very possible when we're in a constant conversation with God. It really is possible. Our minds are more than capable of multitasking. I guarantee you, you've never been in a conversation with anyone where your mind wasn't thinking about other things. We do it all the time. And what this passage is saying, in every conversation, in every moment, in every thought, even when it's our own thoughts, we include God in that conversation. We talk to Him in that moment. And any thought, every thought, we take to Him and submit to Him to say, God, is this your thought? Is this something that I should hold on to? And if it's fearful, if it's anxiety, if it's any of those things, you can be certain it's not from God. It's really possible. With practice, we can learn how to have those kind of conversations every moment of every day. I, I, I wouldn't say I've, I've perfected that, but I know over the years I've gotten much better. I literally catch myself having conversations with him without even knowing it. Like I'm in the middle of something, driving, doing something, whatever, in a conversation. I'm like, oh, I'm praying. Like it's like it's just a, it's just another conversation that's always going on. And the more you practice it, the more you can accomplish it. And what those passages said is they are more than capable of destroying spiritual strongholds, of winning the real battle that we're fighting, the only battle that really matters. The second thing that we can do is stop focusing on the enemy on negative thoughts, or allowing our hearts and minds to be filled with garbage and instead put our focus and attention on God and His thoughts and His attributes. And they're good. We just read what they were. Paul encouraged us to think about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, anything that's excellent, anything that's worthy of praise. And this morning I was thinking, you know what? There's only one thing worthy of praise. God. God is the only one worthy of praise. So when we think of the the thing that's worthy of praise, it means we're constantly being thankful and thinking of God and bringing Him into every circumstance, every moment. Praying about everything in every circumstance. If we prayed as much as we worried or focused on evil, we would have a lot less to be anxious about. And the Apostle Paul said, if we follow this advice, we will not worry or be anxious about anything. It's because of what we've put our focus on. It doesn't mean the circumstances have changed. All that's changed is who our focus is on And that we know God is in control. And He's capable. And no matter how it all plays out, if we're following Him and in His will, it's going to be good. 
Our heart and thoughts are much more likely to be transformed by God when we replace the negative or evil thoughts with the good ones versus just trying not to think or focus on the negative. It's kind of like that old thing where they say, don't think about a pink elephant. If you just focus on not thinking about a pink elephant, the only thing you're going to focus on is that. If you keep just telling yourself, I'm not going to be anxious, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to be anxious, I'm not going to be afraid, you're focusing on the anxiety and the fear. Focus on Him who's worthy of praise. Focus on what's excellent, what's honorable, what's true, what's holy. That's how we replace those things with what's right, by not focusing on them. Ephesians 6 echoes Philippians 4. That we are in a spiritual battle, not a physical one. It encourages us to put the whole armor of God on, including the helmet of salvation, to guard our thoughts and our minds. And in verse 18 it says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We battle through prayer. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplication and praying for one another. We're going to look at an account this morning from the Old Testament. And I think it shows a great example of walking this message out in real life. After all, actually living and walking in a transformed life with our Heavenly Father is hopefully what we're aiming for. Our vision statement at NCC is that we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. That vision statement is all about actually living a transformed life through the power and life of Jesus Christ. That walk and life doesn't necessarily look and feel like what we may think it should. Sometimes things just don't seem to go our way. That doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. We can't look at circumstances to define that. But we can take every one of those things to Him in prayer. This this account that we're going to look at does a good job of showing just that. It's found in Judges chapters 6 through 8. It's the account of Gideon. Some of you may have never heard of this or... Uh, Some of you may be very familiar with this. I'd encourage you to read all three of those chapters on your own sometime this week for the full story. I'm just going to give a little background this morning, and then we're going to look at a portion of chapter 6. But I want to start out with verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. That sound familiar? The people of the nation were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then God sends an angel to Gideon. And God calls through this angel, He calls Gideon to uh, deliver His people from the hand of the Midianites. And it was because the people had finally cried out to God and were trying to turn back to God and God had heard Him. Well, to say the least, Gideon was a little bit skeptical. If you know the story, you, or the account, you know the full picture. And Gideon actually applied what we have been discussing over the past few weeks. He doesn't just take the angel at his word. 
He tests the word and makes sure it's actually from God. We see that Gideon is afraid. We see his doubts. We see his skepticism. It's a real and raw account. It's authentic. And I think we all can relate to to Gideon's story, his testimony. Gideon confirms the word God spoke to him through the angel. Not just with one test. He tests it again and again. And finally he gets to the point where he's like, okay, this is a word from God. But what we're going to look at is what immediate immediately follows that when he finally says okay this is a word from God and I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to respond everything that we're going to look at this morning happens before he actually walks out delivering the people uh, from the Midianites but and what you find in that is that God does it in a miraculous way and only he gets the glory it had nothing to do with Gideon Gideon was obedient to what God called him to do but God did the delivering So what we're going to look at is what happens right in the middle of that. Judges chapter 6, verse 24 through 32. Verse 24, it says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. We're going to stop right here. In the middle of no peace. In the middle of no peace, Gideon builds an altar and calls it, the Lord is peace. God doesn't change regardless of our circumstances. We looked at this in depth last week, and Gideon's just now beginning to understand it. His thoughts and his mind and his heart are beginning to change. They are still in captivity. The Midianites are still uh, have Israel in their grasp. At this point, no circumstance has changed. But Gideon's thoughts and heart has changed. He's believing the word of God. He's gone from fear and hopelessness to peace in the Lord. Verse 25, That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. So there's a couple things that we're going to look at here. Remember I mentioned that verse 1 of chapter 6 starts out with the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This included Gideon's own father. The Lord told Gideon to pull down the altar of Baal that belonged to his father and to cut down the Asherah pole that was beside it. Gideon's own father was worshiping other gods. And God told Gideon to build an altar to him in its place. 
The next thing that I want us to see here is that God was very specific regarding what Gideon was to do. I absolutely believe when we follow God and listen to his voice, he will direct us in how to respond to the evil that is around us, wherever it may be. Whether it's in our own family, among our circle of friends, maybe even our religious circles. As I mentioned before, our desire at NCC is that everyone will know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ on their own. That takes a relationship with God. It takes listening to His voice. And then it takes action, responding to His voice. Sometimes we take action for action's sake. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, we just need to do something? I don't know, but something needs to be done. We should just do something. Well, I agree that something needs to be done. But apart from a word from God telling us what to do, I think the one thing we can know for a fact that we need to do is pray. To set our thoughts on Him. That's been made very clear in the passages that we've looked at this morning. And it's not a waste of time. Our prayers are mighty, powerful, able to destroy strongholds. Literally bring them down. It says to bring down those strongholds. And as we were reading it just now, I uh, noticed the words in the passage that we just read about Gideon. He brought, God told him to bring down the altar of Baal. Gideon was literally doing what we're called to. He did it in the physical, what God has called us to do in the spiritual realm through prayer. We all need to spend more time in prayer. The last thing before we finish this account is that Gideon still knew what was at stake. He had believed the word of God now. He'd certainly tested it, but he believed it. He'd heard the word of God. He was even going to respond to the word of God. But he also knew that there might be consequences to pay. God hadn't said how it was going to play out on the other side. He just told Gideon to do it. He also didn't tell Gideon whether to do it at night or in the day. So Gideon wasn't really being disobedient. In his own wisdom, he decided to do it at night. I just point this out for the honesty of this account. And to encourage us this morning. Because just because we know God. Just because we hear His voice. And even if we're willing to respond it doesn't mean that we won't still have to battle those thoughts of fear and anxiety and inadequacy and all the other attacks of the enemy. But what we know is that we can take every single one of those thoughts and take it to the feet of Jesus Christ. And that it has to be obedient to Him. And that we can find peace in God. And regardless of how the circumstances play out, even if Gideon had been put to death, he was willing to do what God had said to do. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They told the king, we're not going to bow down. Our God can save us. We don't know if he is or isn't, but we're still going to follow God. The circumstances don't matter. That's what we're called to do. And we can have peace in that moment because God is still in control. Verse 28. 
When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broke down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die. For he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal? Or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. We don't know what changed in Gideon's father's heart and mind, but obviously it had changed. It was his, it was his altar to Baal. It was his Asherah pole. And the men of the city were ready to kill Gideon. But Gideon's father said, if Baal is really a god, let him contend for himself. Did you know our God really is a god? And he says, don't worry about contending for me. I can take care of my own name. Did you know God doesn't need us to defend him? We've said over and over and over, he is seated on his throne. He is at peace. He's relaxed. Nothing's out of control. He's never been surprised. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He's seated on his throne and in control of everything. He doesn't need us to defend his name. He's more than capable to do that on his own. What he wants is a relationship with each and every one of you. And he wants a relationship with every person out there. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for that relationship, to restore that relationship, to bring us to the place where we see our own sin, our own shortcomings, where we've walked away from him and denied him and said, we're going to choose our will, our way over yours. He's made the way to come back. That's all he wants from us. And he wants to live in his peace, in his strength, in his wholeness, in his might. Gideon would go on to be obedient in everything that God called him to do regarding delivering the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. And God would deliver them in a miraculous way. And God received all the glory. My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning as you have heard the Word of God read. That these words have been made alive in our hearts and our minds. That we will more than ever seek to constantly talk to God in prayer. Literally taking everything to Him with thanksgiving. And that we will actively and proactively focus on Him and think about who He is. His word, everything that is good, everything that is holy, everything that is true, everything that is honorable, everything that is just and pure and lovely and commendable, anything that's excellent and the one and only thing worthy of our praise, God himself. We have to practice these things. We have to actually do these things. 
And when we do, we're promised by God that His peace will be with us. And just like Gideon, in the middle of circumstances that declare the opposite, we can be confident that our Lord is the Lord of peace. And we can rest in His peace right in the middle of it. If you're on our ministry team, I would invite you to come forward now. And as we close this morning, I just want to encourage you to respond to the Lord. Respond to Him in conversation, in prayer. We have so much to pray for. There is a war going on. There is a battle going on in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm that we can't see. But we're promised that our prayers are mighty and powerful to bring down those strongholds. We're called to pray. We're called to pray without ceasing. During worship, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says, In the days of His flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, offered up prayers with loud cries and tears. And he was heard. When you pray, God hears you. I promise you, he hears you. Our part is to get in the habit of talking to him all the time. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? God, I thank you. I thank you that you hear our cries. You hear our prayers. Father, I pray that you would give us boldness to come into your presence, to come into your throne room. You've promised us that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can when we submit to your lordship, when we stop trying to rule our own life and let you be the Lord of our life. Father, give us a heart to pray, to do battle in the heavenly realms, to bring down spiritual strongholds and, and, uh, that are in the heavenly realm. Father God, not only do I pray that we would send our thoughts to the feet of Jesus Christ, Lord, we send every uh, heavenly host that is opposed to you to your feet. Lord, every enemy that's attacking the thoughts and minds of the lost, Lord, we send them to the feet of Jesus Christ, that they might have a moment of clarity, a moment of sanity to see you, to hear your voice and to respond and be set free. Your word promised that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, we proclaim freedom to the captive. That's why Jesus came. Father, we ask you to do what only you can do. Transform the lives of your body. Transform the lives in this world that we would come to you, Lord, and be a witness and a testimony to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Respond this morning in prayer, whether it's with our ministry team in your seat, if you feel led to come pray at the front, but please respond.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord. holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory god is what thank you for your truth and your word. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you did not leave us orphans or alone, but sent your spirit to declare your thoughts to your body. Father, I pray that we will know you, that we will hear your voice, and that we will respond. Lord, that your will, your thoughts, your purposes will come to earth and be manifest just like they are in heaven. Lord, all glory, honor, power, and praises to you and you alone. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the altar ministry teams will still be available. There will be worship music. Continue to play if you would still like to stay in worship. If not, you're dismissed.